0: Be in First Peter upstairs, and uh, I will tell you that uh, you know it. Sometimes it's a distraction for the kids up here. They're only here at the first, I'd say, half of the service, and I know they can get distracting. I know that they can get uh, they can get into things. They can do funny stuff and and different things like that. But when we were singing the one song. I've got this one-and-a-half-year-old little girl in my ears singing along. It's worth it, isn't it? It's worth the distractions. It's worth all these things because they are they are watching us. They are listening. They're learning about the Lord. They're learning to sing uh, praises to the Lord. It's worth it. I'm here to tell you, uh, I, you know, if it's, uh, it's too late for us to not incorporate the kids into everything anyway, but I wouldn't want to change any of it. And I'm glad that God has blessed us. Uh, Dad was saying last Sunday morning we had 25 kids in here, uh, and that's a lot. But I, I say bring more. Why? Because God's shown uh, that he is able to trust us with his children. And I say thank you for that. Uh, but first, Peter, uh, man, I'm, I'm excited to get into God's word. Um, I, I, I haven't been in Peter, uh, either the first or second Peter that much. Uh, so I already, I already apologize. If I accidentally say Paul, I mean Peter. Uh, we're in Peter, so uh, but sometimes it gets mixed up. But anyway, I, I'm thankful for the Lord. I'm thankful for his word. We're going to start in verse 15. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 says this, that uh, as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to everyone's work past the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold uh, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ and as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Who by him do uh, believe in God that it raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God? Let's go Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be able to preach. Lord, use me. Help me to get out of the way. Help us to understand your word today. Lord, challenge us. Lord, if there's any lost, I pray that they'd come to know you. Lord, any that's confused, any that's living uh, an unholy lifestyle, Lord, I ask that you convict us in areas our hearts not so we feel guilty but Lord so we can take care of these things draw closer to you Lord we want revival and we know it begins in each one of our hearts Lord we thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus name we pray and amen so Peter's writing to the Christians uh, that are in multiple churches here in this letter. Uh, and remember, Jesus, is a, he's already ascended back up into heaven. He left the disciples. They started uh, planting churches and different things. Uh, but by this point, I want you to know that life in the early church was hard. They were going against the the Roman Empire that most of the time did not like what they were doing. They were going in the Jew against the Jews that were definitely didn't like what they were doing. Uh, so there was uh, hatred and persecution going on uh, in these in these early days. Uh, and, and in the beginning of the chapter before what we read, uh, uh, Peter is reminding them that they have a real hope in Jesus Christ for the future. I'm here to tell you, there's no better thing to do when you're in the midst of a trial and heartache and everything else than to remember that you've got a real hope in Jesus Christ. It's not a hope. And then I, I hope something happens. It's a hope uh, that is uh, founded in a God who cannot lie, uh, who's not going to change his mind that already sees the future. And I'm thankful for that. But look what he says here after he's encouraged them some, uh, he he switches gears here in verse 15. Uh, But as as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. We can't control the trials. We can't make them go away, right? We can't shorten them or anything else. We can probably lengthen trials if we wanted to, but usually we don't. But one of the things we can control is what he says right here. Be ye holy for I am holy. We can control how we react and how we act each and every day of our lives. What he's saying here is everything about God is holy. There's no sin in God. There's no. There's none of those things. Nothing evil. Nothing bad within God. God the Father's holy. God the Son Jesus Christ is holy, and uh, God the Holy Spirit. It's in His name. He's holy as well. And He's saying so. If we're going to identify with a holy God, if we're going to say we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if we're going to say we have the Holy Spirit in our heart, and all of these things, and we're a child of God the Father, which we are. If you're saved, if we're going to identify. Identifies these things, he said, we need to be holy too. Amen. That's what he's saying. We need to be holy. You were saved by a holy God who reached out in mercy and love, and he said uh, in verse fifteen, we need to be holy in all manner of conversation. And in the King James version of the Bible, conversation just means your whole life. Not just the way you talk, but the way you act, the way you carry yourself. And your whole life needs to be holy. Every aspect of our life. You know what we do sometimes? We compartmentalize our life, right? We have one life at home. One life here in the sanctuary. One life at school, right? One life when we're one way of living when we're by ourselves and nobody can see or hear what we're doing or know what we're doing. That's not right. He's saying in all manner of conversation, your whole life, I want you to be holy. Here's the thing. It doesn't mean we're going to act around or walk around acting like we're perfect. We're not. But that is not an excuse to not strive every day and everything that we do in all parts of our life, from how we dress to how we talk, how we interact with people, how we work when we clock in. Are we really working? Are we cheating? uh, Or uh, how we file our taxes? It's becoming tax season. You need to be holy in that as well. Uh, He's saying be ye holy. We need to treat people fairly. Not cheat them, we need to show love to them. We need to tell people the truth, not deceive people when we're interacting and everything else. We need to show love and compassion. Not stirring up strife. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about all these things. And we need to live our, lead our kids in holiness as well. And here's the thing. If you didn't know it by now, if you haven't dug into much of the Bible, we can get it from just these two verses uh, that this is. uh, Here's the thing. If you're not living a holy life, you are not pleasing God. You can't be spirit filled, not be holy. You can't do any of these things. They don't go together. And guess what? This is not he's not saying uh, be ye holy for I am holy if you can or as best as you can or anything like that. And it's not a suggestion It's a command. That's what he's saying. You will do this. You will be holy. We can't obtain perfection, but I'll tell you what. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and can help you each and every step of the way. Aren't you glad? Can you think about it? If you've been a Christian for a while, those things you've handed over to God and say, God, I've tried to turn this around. I've tried to change it. But then you've trusted in him and he has changed things in your life. Praise God. You know what? Give something else to him. Let's get a little more holy. All right, verse 17, stick with me. Let's keep going. And if you call on the Father, I hope you are. I I don't understand why it's an if right here. If you call on the Father, if you're praying to God, amen, we should be doing that. If you're praying to God, if you're worshiping God, which we should all be doing, what's he say? Uh, Who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work. Uh, See what he's saying right here? Without respect of persons, he's impartial. He doesn't play favorites. He doesn't have a favorite and a non-favorite. So guess what? He's not treating Christians any differently. Sometimes we look across the room and say, man, he's treating him a lot better. No, he's no respecter of persons. And if he's giving uh, everyone the same blessings, he's, uh, uh, you know, shows the same love and mercy to all of us. In light of that, he says we need to pass the time of our sojourning here in fear. And what's he saying? We need to live every day of our earthly lives knowing that one day we will stand before the judge, Jesus Christ, and he's not going to be impartial. He's not going to treat me different than he treats somebody else. That's what they they complain about down here is saying, well, uh, there's one version of justice for one person and another version for another person and everything else. Jesus Christ is not like that. He is keeping a true and complete record of our lives and he will compare it not against the laws of this land not against political correctness not against what society thinks is right and wrong he'll take a complete record of what we've done and he will bump it up against his word and that's how he'll judge and if we believe that how should we be passing our time down here in this life with fear reverence of a holy god that we're going to stand before You believe that? I believe it. Verse 18, For as much as ye know, That ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. He, Peter's here telling us, remember he's already said we need to live holy and an obedient life. And by the time we get to here, he's saying, hey, uh, if you want to know why we should be living holy, why we should be doing these things. He's saying, hey, think about how you were saved from your sins. You did not do it with money, silver, or gold, or any other material thing. You didn't do it. You notice, if you've ever been here before, uh, when when we invite people to come to Jesus Christ, you know what I could do? I could hold this out, and I could say, you want Jesus? You want a new life? You're going to have to fill this thing up, right? If that's what you want... It'll cost you this amount of money for this package. You know, you want a lower level of heaven. It'll cost you this much, but a higher level. And and we think that's funny or silly, but there are religions out there that do that. There are churches out there that do that. They may not be as overt as I just was, but they do that. It takes money to get to heaven. What's he saying right here? For as much as you know, ye were not redeemed with corruptible things. It was not money. Here's the problem. There are places, some in the U.S., but especially when you go overseas, you get pulled over, and they're getting ready to, you know, you've done something really wrong that could be made up, and you just say, how about this? And they're saying, well, you know what? Thank you. Have a great day. That's great. Or even a judge doing the same thing. Right? Bribery. Guess what? You can't bribe Jesus. That's right. You can't bribe him. Where are you going to take your money to? You're going to go up to heaven and give it to them? You can't take it with you. You can't. We were not redeemed by these things. This is what happened. This corruption uh, in the world today. It's not. If you uh, were truly saved by Jesus Christ. You didn't bribe him. You can't pay your way into heaven. Think about this. If it took money to get into heaven. You'd have to have a certain level. And then there'd be people who could afford it. And people who couldn't. Right? They couldn't afford it. What would that be? He couldn't say, I'm no respecter of persons. Because then he'd respect a certain amount of wealth and wouldn't respect another. So he's not. It doesn't take money. Salvation can't be bought with money. And here's the thing. If you're coming in here and you're dropping your tithe into the plate, don't think that that's getting you to heaven. Now, it is helping us run the church. It's helping us give to missionaries and everything else. But that is not what gets you to heaven. It's not. Second half of the verse says this. We were not redeemed from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers. Again, if you're saved today, if your sins are forgiven, it wasn't because, again, what does conversation mean? Your way of life. You did not get saved because you lived a certain way. Or didn't live a certain way. That's not why you're saved. And you didn't get saved from some religious tradition. And and there are people that spend their entire life trying to live a certain way. Go through certain rituals. uh, You know, whether it's with money or not with money. And, And these things, some of them have been passed down for generations. Right? Some of these religions are old. And that's what they'll say. We've been, we've been around here a long time. We're not some fly-by-night thing. We've got, uh, you know, centuries and, and thousands of years in existence. We, we're here. We've got a really big old uh, uh, old church there on the corner in the city uh, and everything else. We've been here a while. We've had these things established for a while. You follow these things, these sacraments or whatever. Uh, you fill in the blank and you'll get to heaven. He said, no, that's not how you were redeemed. Peter said that, right? Isn't he one of isn't he the first pope? Right? Yeah. <laughs> said you can't do that from the traditions of your fathers. You didn't get saved by how you live. Oops. I guess they missed this part. Anyway, we'll keep going. What's he saying? They spend their people spend their entire lives. We know people like this, don't we? We know people like this. The Bible calls it vain conversation. It's a vain life to chase after a religion that does not include Jesus Christ in the center of it. It's vain. It's useless. Even if you dedicate your entire life to it, it won't work so there are people today trying to reach heaven by money and works and that is not how it happens but aren't you glad the Bible keeps going verse 19 if you are saved today this is how it happened but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot I was not redeemed by money I was not redeemed through traditions I was redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ that's what it says right there I wasn't saved because I was a pretty good person I wasn't saved because because I belong to this church. I wasn't saved for any of those things. Other than Jesus lived a perfect life. When I could not. He chose to die for the sins of the world. Including mine. He shed his blood. To pay the price for our sins. Uh, and he died on the cross. And because we're all born in sin. We had a sin problem. The Bible says. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. And guess what? It was just a matter of time. Until I had to collect on that payday. If I would have died of my sins, I would have spent eternity in hell. But aren't you glad Romans 6.23 goes on. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He paid the penalty for our sins with his blood. He suffered and died a cruel death and the innocent died for the guilty so that we could find salvation. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 is so simple. It says, for I delivered unto you first all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. I will tell you this. If you'll admit that you're a sinner and you uh, believe that he died for your sins and rose on the third day, you're almost there. If you're ready to change your life, And you call on Jesus' name for forgiveness of sins. The Bible says thou shalt be saved. That's how you were saved. That's how you get saved. That is how the Bible says it works. And Jimmy already said it this morning in Sunday school. Jesus said I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But not only will he redeem your soul. He will give you a new life. He'll put the Holy Spirit inside of you to dwell within you, not because you bribed him, not because you went through certain rituals or steps, but because of the cross of Calvary, what he did for our sins. The perfect lamb was slain before for you and me. Look at verse 20. This should be eye opening right here. Who? Remember, we're talking about Uh, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And then verse 20 continues, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Let me tell you something. Jesus dying on the cross. If you ever read through the gospels, and usually I challenge us to do it. Uh, um, I challenge each one of us to do it uh, as we get closer to Easter. Read the Gospels. Read to where you get up to the cross. And when you read those and you see what happened, some people will say that Jesus had a plan that he was going to teach, he was going to preach, he was going to heal, uh, and then eventually everyone would turn to him and he would set up his kingdom here on earth. Some people thought that's what would happen. Well, when it didn't happen that way, and when they started hating him, when they started going against him and wanting him dead, then Jesus had to go to plan B. Have you ever heard people say things like that? Well, they caught him, they arrested him, and things didn't turn out the way they thought it would. There are people that really believe that. This verse says, this plan of salvation, This dying on the cross, this precious lamb dying for our sins was foreordained. That means it was already in the works before the foundation of the world. Look at this earth. It's older than this earth. Right? Go to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It was before that. Guess what? It was before man before the earth, before all of it, Jesus said, I'm dying on the cross for your sins. Yeah. Only God could do that. It wasn't a series of unfortunate events that led him to the cross. It was the plan from the beginning. Before there was a beginning, the plan was there. Before the first sin was committed that we have recorded in Genesis chapter 3, Jesus was already going to die on the cross. It was foreordained. That plan was from the beginning. And look what he says at the end. That plan was manifest in these last times for you. He is saying, hey. Now what we didn't read is if you go up to verse 10, something interesting is said about this salvation. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace uh, that should come unto you. So the prophets, so he's talking about, you know, like Moses, Isaiah, Daniel, the minor prophets, all in the Old Testament. Those prophets, What did, they inquired, they searched diligently, they wanted to know what this salvation was. But they never got to see it. They never got to see Jesus. But what is Peter saying? The, the, this plan that was from the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, this plan of salvation, we got to see it unravel. That's what Peter's telling them. Many of them at the church got to see these things happen at that time. And he's saying, hey, they searched diligently. They wanted to know who the Messiah was. And all they got was little glimpses, little foreshadowings of it. As you know, Isaiah 53 is my favorite Old Testament chapter. And the prophet Isaiah was given an astounding prophecy of Jesus and him suffering on the cross. It's astounding. Guess what? Isaiah was given that by God. He penned it down. He didn't understand any of it. None of it. How how are they going to understand it? When he gives them a piece of this prophecy, a piece of what Jesus how they couldn't understand. They searched diligently. They begged the Lord, Lord, what does this mean? And we had to wait until it was manifested. Guess what? It's been manifested. We've Amen. seen it. Oh, I wasn't there at the cross, but I've got a complete account right here of everything that's happened. It has unfolded. What the prophets desired to see and wanted to see has happened. Isaiah 53, who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him. We were despised; He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before a is dumb so he openeth not his mouth he was taken from prison and from judgment and who shall declare his generation for he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken yet it pleased the lord to bruise him he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for his sin he shall see his seed i gotta stop right there Isaiah had no idea what he was talking about. Yet when it gets to that point, he shall see his seed. That's you and I. Right? No, I stopped so I got to restart or I got to rest- I got to get help to restart. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Yet put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoiled with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Isaiah had no idea what all that meant. Yet we can look back and say wow that was made manifest. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. So what's he saying? He's saying, hey, this plan was from the beginning. That's why those prophets could see it and get glimpses of it from God hundreds of years and thousands before it happened. Yet we have it manifested in front of us. We are without excuse. That sacrifice was finished at Calvary. Everything is done. He was buried and he rose on that Easter Sunday morning from the dead victoriously. And I'm here to tell you, if you're saved today, you're saved because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ and that plan that was made before the earth began uh, that was given glimpses of it you're not saved by primary you're not saved by an impartial judge but a holy God he is the one who saved us he is the one who's recording every bit of our lives and he is the judge that will stand before and if all of that's true do you believe it's true? Yes. Yeah. I do but as he which hath called you holy So be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. This world cannot see any holiness unless they see it in a Christian person that's living a holy life. They will never know the difference. They won't. They need to see that God is different. What is this world doing? They're bringing God to their level, right? Yeah. My God understands. My God doesn't care how I live. My God just, whatever, he just lets it go, right? He just, he understands. I hear all these things and it's crazy. They're bringing God down to their level. But here's the problem. I want to go to a level higher than I'm at right now. I want to go to heaven. I don't need help staying here. We're here. I want to go to a place I can't get to. We need to show them, hey, God is different. I'm different because a different God changed my life. Didn't I, I didn't just pray to him just to get out of hell. I prayed to him because I wanted a different life. And he gave me a, do, a different life. Not because of money. Not because I'm special. But because he died for my sins. And I trusted in that. Yes, amen. It's not always easy to live a holy life, but God will help you. If there's anything he'll help you do, it's to live the way he wants you to live. The Holy Spirit will guide you. And you put the God's word in the center of your life, God's will in the center of your life. It will help you. I'm telling you what, scripture will help you to live holy more than anything. And You pray to him and ask for his help. He will help you. But I'm telling you what, I'm glad I'm saved today. Aren't you? I'm glad it's not because of any rituals or anything else. Because for some people it's too late. Right? Remember the thief on the cross that finally turned and said, Wait a second. This one's different. He's Lord. If he had to go through all these rituals, it would have been too late. If he had to pay money, he couldn't have. But instead he just trusted in Jesus by faith. And faith is what saved him. Guess what? Faith is the same thing that will save you from your sins. Faith will keep you. Faith will draw you closer faith will help clean you up when you've got areas that need cleaned up. I'm here to tell you, church, I want to live holy, don't you? Amen. Because the opposite, you know what it does when we don't live holy? It hurts our name. It hurts the church, his name. But most importantly, it hurts Jesus' name. Because yes. I've met people that talk about Jesus one minute, and they don't live holy the next minute. The world doesn't need that. They've got enough of it. Let's stand. Let's stand.